There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombach, and we've got an awesome show for you coming up. This week, I was joined by Nick Robbins, co-founder of Giant Good, an app that promotes mindful living through performing small acts throughout the day. We had a great conversation that covered the process for making lasting changes in our lives, the importance of consistently auditing our feelings and emotions to determine why it is we're feeling the way we're feeling, to overcoming the ever-present and increasing push for human beings to constantly be doing more and receiving more information. You can learn more about Nick, his app, and what he's working on at giantgood.com, as well as social media, which is listed in the show notes, and I definitely encourage you to check it out. Thanks, as always, for listening. Remember to tell a friend, and please feel free to share us on social media. That's enough about that. Let's go. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher. Joining us in spirit today is Centauri Minor. He, he apologizes, apologizes for not being able to be here. Helping us move from awareness to action is Nick Robbins, the co-founder of Giant Good. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, thanks for agreeing to be on the show. So here we are, a couple of weeks away potentially from launching the app. How did we arrive at this place? Well, like in terms of the app, where we are physically right now. Whatever you like. Okay, well, so and I guess we'll start with the app, right? So the app is really about, um, at a high level, it's about sending um, simple acts to individuals so they get out of their device and they can engage in the world around them. So essentially, we'll send you three acts. It might be buy a cup of coffee for a stranger. It might be hug your kid. It might be learn to say I love you in Spanish. Um, and just basically, the idea is to get you out of your device and interacting with the world around you. And what got me interested in this is, you know, I, I have this philosophy about sort of solving life and hacking things that you can do it in small little pieces, right? You don't accomplish something overnight. Um, and so for myself, at least, I was able to improve, make myself sort of a better person just by doing small little acts, whether it was, you know, for losing weight or thinking differently or being more mindful, isn't something you do overnight. And I started to think to myself, you know, is there a way that we can do that for people at a larger level. Like, could we actually build something that would actually make you happier? You know, so the way to think about it is, you know, could you build, you know, a Fitbit, for lack of a better word, that would actually make you more happier, connected, bring more joy in, in your life? And it's actually really important as you look at the science because social connection is actually more um, beneficial for you than diet or exercise. There's research, I think it was done by Stanford, that shows that the lack of it, meaningful social connection, is the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And, and you have, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And um, you spend a lot of time focusing on things like exercise and diet where some really basic things that you can do, like just basic interaction is very healthy for you. And so ironically, our telephones and our devices and technology is actually doing the opposite. So if you look at some of the work done by Tristan Harris um, the, at Harvard, the longitudinal study, it shows so this combination of what technology is doing, it's disconnecting us, and the importance of staying connected to your health. So what we're trying to do is build you know, an app that actually makes you healthier in the sense of it keeps you more connected to people and gets you out of your device. So, um, so not doing the opposite, which is like, you know, as much as I like Facebook and Instagram, you know, sort of sucks you in and disconnects you. So that's what we're trying to do. Nice. 
in a lot of these conversations that that we've been having, one of the the themes that sort of finds its way through a lot of them is the idea of happiness and where people really drive happiness is oftentimes through human connection and sure. feeling connected to community. And I go back to that Harvard study, very yeah. famous Harvard study over the course of like a hundred years. Yeah, exactly. Tracked. And that was really fundamentally that, that was it. So, um, well, that, that, that's, that's awesome. It's yeah. a, it's an exciting undertaking. Well, thank you. So, um, what's been, what's been the, the most challenging part so far? Well, yeah, so the, the most challenging part is part of it is actually like deprogramming my brain slightly. So, you know, I, I've always been, you know, I've been a lawyer by, by practice. And so my career started in Boston and I was very fortunate to like to join a law firm um, in the mid the mid 90s when when technology was ramping and sort of the first bubble. And I got to learn a ton about technology and I got to learn work with a lot of venture funds and a lot of household names at the time and a lot of things that have gone away in the buggy whip. Um, and then from there, I, I, I grew and, and then eventually I ended up at an in-house down in um, um, Florida at um, Cash for Gold, which was a great experience, although crazy as it was, and then I came to LifeLock. And, um, and so I've learned a lot, but part of it is, is you know, it's a very, being a lawyer is very rigorous um, in terms of thought process, but yet being, being an entrepreneur is a totally different part of your brain. Like every morning right now, we're building you have to wake up and decide, well, what am I doing today? What's the most important thing? And often the most important thing isn't the most enjoyable thing. So you have to be able to balance and say, what do I need to get done, right? Like as much as you want to make t-shirts and as much as you want to like um, do all this crazy fun stuff, you actually have to build something. And one of the th- and, it's, and I'm learning a lot as I do this. And as I talk to other people, and we just brought on an engineer, and what the engineer we brought on, we have three engineers now, we have an additional one. And one of the things that he was impressed was that when we started our process, we actually just tested it. We just tested what we were trying to do with text message with 50 people. And so we didn't go about this, like, let's build an app and see if they'll come. Like, we actually tried to go out and take the basic kind of lean principles of using, talking to customers, giving them a basic, wonky, janky experience where they find it interesting. And if they did, what would it feel like if you made it a little bit better and a little bit better? So we've gone about this actually with rigor, sort of similar to being a lawyer, but at the same time, we're very open about it. Like we, we have a specific point of view, we're also open to persuasion and our team saying, let's do something differently. But so the hard part, the, the biggest eye-opening thing has been honestly every morning getting up and being like, okay, what are we doing today? Because I'm solely responsible. Like there's no one above me that says, Nick, you gotta do this today, other than it won't get done. So that sense is a little it's really scary, but it's also really exciting. The main thing is keeping the main thing the main thing. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's absolutely. <laughs> you, you, know, you know what it's like, right? And you have to eat your vegetables every day. You don't just get to eat giant cupcakes all the time. No, I wish we could though. It would be yeah. probably, <laughs> probably be better over the short term. So yeah. talking about burying our noses in our telephones and getting yeah. that consistent yeah. dopamine hit exactly. every time I get a push yeah. notification. Sure. What what is the real problem or the suite of problems that, that 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 you're working to address? Yeah, so I mean we're not like so one of the things is we're not looking to you know we're not luddites in the sense that we're saying we're, we're going to like throw away your telephone. And so what we're trying to do is we've said okay we have these devices and technology actually owes us more. Like technology can be really fantastic; it can do amazing things, and also technology can do really destructive things. So we're trying to leverage the phone. And the smartphone to actually do good, right? So what we're trying to do is get you into the app, 
for an act and then get out of it again. So if you look at some studies, there's a, there's a company, a nonprofit called Time Well Spent, which is Tristan Harris's group, and they did this research that showed the longer you're in an app, the less satisfaction you have. So Facebook and Instagram have some of the highest time usages and the highest um, unhappiness. Whereas um, Strava, MyFitnessPal, Waze, some of the other apps that are more transactional, where you're in and out, people really enjoy being with them. Because hmm. at the end of the day, we're humans, and as humans, we're sort of tribal. We've always enjoyed personal interaction. And the device is now, like how often do you go out to dinner and you see two people at the same table, and they're both on their telephones? It's like, I mean, that's the sort of destructive social behavior at a certain level. So we're trying to not lecture people, but we want to show them that it's okay to get out of your comfort zone, and you'll actually feel good about it, and maybe you'll do more of just interacting at really, really basic level. Um, so that's what, we're, that's what we're trying to do. Makes sense. So I, I, I open up Facebook yeah. and Instagram and my level of self-loathing increases with, sure. with every minute. Yeah. <laughs> and when I put it down, I'm like, how did I just spend 15 minutes on Facebook when I should have been doing all this other stuff? That certainly makes yeah. sense. And so we're trying to encourage you. We're going to try to use some of the same technique. So my, my co-founder, Steve, came from a gaming background. And so we're going to try to use a lot of sort of the hooks and levers and tricks, the lack of a better word, that get you into the app, but we don't want you to be obsessive and stay in there, right? We want you to open it up, obviously, and say, oh, that's an interesting thing. That, that's a cool act to do. I'm going to do that. And, I'll get, and maybe I'll see something someone else is doing. I'll find that inspiring. And maybe it'll be cool to see how many other people bought coffees for strangers that day in my neighborhood. So those are all things that we don't want you to stay in. We just want you to be inspired and then go out and interact. And much like you know, Fitbit, I mean, think about it. How Fitbit started was, just do 10,000 steps. It wasn't go run a marathon. It wasn't go read a book. It was they made it really, really simple and digestible. And we want to do the same thing. Because there's a lot of apps that are doing some amazing things for mindfulness. And that's what they're doing, which is fantastic. We were just, we're just trying to take it a little different, which is well, we actually want you to do something because you're busy. You need someone to tell you, hey, go do this. And then just do a quick act and you'll and then you'll grow from that. So that's our approach to it, is making it simple, making it digestible, and making it actionable. Well, I think that that certainly makes sense to me. Yeah, oh, thanks. Um, yes, 10,000 steps yeah. is a very actionable, practical, understandable, yeah. simple thing that I can do as opposed to I need to go run a marathon and how in the exactly. world am I going to do that? What kind of shoes should I get? Whatever. Um, if you, I, I'm, I'm always curious to, to talk about how do you think that or how, how people got to the place where we need to be really actively talking about being mindful and why is mindfulness so important today or more important than it ever has been? Yeah, yeah I mean, I think you know, it's, it's the nature of sort of technology and media, right? I mean, the, it is technology, but at the end of the day, Instagram, Facebook, um, any kind of social media, it's just it's media, right? And it's interesting, there, there's a book it came out in the 60s by Neil Postman called Amusing Ourselves to Death, which is all about really television, right? But if you look at it, it it's still, it's still, a, you can still write that book today to swap out the word television for, you know, social media. And I guess today it's even more apt because the more we're amusing ourselves in social media, the more disconnected we're becoming, which in turn is making us more unhealthy, which we're getting closer to death that way, right? So that's where the title still works, right? Um, I think it's like anything, we get distracted. Like we get so distracted today and there's so much pressure put on us to do more and be more that we forget that the most basic things we need. I mean, how often do people, you know, when you work with, 
brag either directly or indirectly how, how, how much work they can do on so little sleep. People like talking about that. That's true, they but, do. But that's really not true. Like, people will think that's true, but all the science says is that sleep is like the most important thing. In fact, I've noticed a difference in myself. If I don't get a good night's sleep, getting my kids ready for school, it's just a mess. If I get a good night's sleep, you, you, know, you win the morning, you win the day. And so you also hear about people who say, well, I, I multitask. Well, the brain doesn't function that way. You actually get more done single tasking because you do it once, right? Mm -hmm. So I think where we've gotten here is that we have a huge amount of media. There's a, it, it's available all the time. And as, as humans, it's an, it becomes an escape. We think it's easier to escape into our devices than it is to escape outside and stand in the grass. Mm -hmm. And so again, we're just trying to get you to do that and think about that. We're not asking you to, to go to Honduras, which is a great idea, and build a house for someone. I mean, right. but, but we want you to be just doing really simple things. And you can get there. I mean, the whole thesis is, that's what we came up with our name, is you, know, you can make a big impact over time with small acts. You don't need to, you know, you don't climb Everest in one step. It's a series of steps. And that's what we're, so we're trying to show people is that inside of you, you are a giant. You're already there. It's just a matter of tapping into it, unleashing it, and, and getting it activated. And right. that's what we're trying to get, get towards. Nice. Impact and scale certainly two things that or you touched on a lot right there yeah. and, and that, these are things that I spent a good amount of time thinking yeah. about yeah. I, I really want everybody to be happy that's and my piece of that professionally really deals with the money piece yeah. so if you can help people to better figure that out then it yeah. frees them up to do other things sure. um, you brought up Tristan Harris and I think that I heard him on a podcast yeah. talking about probably many podcasts but yeah. Maybe it was Sam Harris. Um, he was talking about how the Facebook algorithm, we there's no way that we can possibly compete with it. Yeah. And it's putting things in our head, which is controlling the direction of our thoughts and our minds, which in my mind, I think that what what's concerning to me is that if people are not taking the time to really formulate what they value and they hold most dear to them, then Facebook and other social media is going to give it to them. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's right. And, you know, again, there's nothing to say. Like, so I think the way I look at it, and you're right, and it's, it's all a balancing act, right? I mean, like, cars are a good thing. And, you know, for some people, so is wine. That's a good thing. People like wine, right? Together, they're not a good thing. I think wine is good. Yeah, together, they're not a good thing, right? So, so we're not, so people who are against drunk driving aren't necessarily against cars or drinking. It's just to put two together, right? So same thing here. It's like, it's not to say Facebook and Instagram don't have places. They do. I mean, I use them and I'm not going to say they don't have a place. But the problem is, is it's becoming addictive and people are going there for their connection. Mm -hmm. Or really, they'll get more valuable connection just interacting with people. It's true. I mean, it, the, they know more about us. I mean, I'm sure at some point, Facebook will be the, will be the ultimate um, identifier of people's identity. Because they're learning more about you than potentially the credit bureaus know. Hmm. Right? Sure. So they could be the next credit bureau in a certain way, a way to identify you as a person. Um, so they're, they, they're, they're learning. They're smart as a machine. Um, and that's scary. But it's also, I mean, there's also some value to that. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you know, we want to get customized experiences. And the only way they customize experiences is for machine learning. Right? So it's a, it's a balancing act. Mm -hmm. But I agree. Enter mindfulness and the importance of you need to be mindful and I'm certainly guilty of this. Yeah. I'm sure that you are, and this is the reason that that, that you're pursuing this yeah. this app because you don't want to let the tail wag the dog, right? Yeah. 
Like all this stuff is is incredible and it's awesome and it's it's a way to make your life richer and better, but not if you're not paying attention to it. Yeah. Not sure. if you're not managing it. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. I think I think everybody has to do the whatever's right for them. Right? Like so for me, what do I do? Like I like to I like I love hiking. And so like what I'll do in the um, mornings, I'll try to go up past the peak before sunrise and hike back down again. Um, and I use that as a place just to clear my mind and think. Mm-hmm. So I try to, like, that's how I do it. Like I get, and actually I come up with a lot of good ideas then. I mean, the less, the less you give, the more you give your chance for your brain not to stop thinking, the more it can stop, it can start thinking. I mean, think of all the work your brain does every day. And the thing you raised earlier about the financial decisions for people, the less, the less people have to make decisions on things, the more they can make decisions on other things, right? That's a whole decision fatigue, right? So if, you, so if we can do things for people to make it easier for them at certain levels, it allows them to go make, think about things that are really, really important to them. I mean, there was that story about, um, I think it was Einstein, when they went and saw it to his house, he had all the same clothes. And the reporter was like, well, you're wearing all the same, you're a rich guy, why do you have all the same clothes? He goes, well, because in the morning, I don't want to think about what I have to wear. It's not, it's not that important, but I'm going to use his brain. Like, think how much easier your morning goes when you make a list the night before because you don't have to think about it in the morning, right? No doubt. So that's what it's just sort of about. It's like we're trying to do that, and I think also the more you're able to do that, the more mindful you can become. Mm-hmm. You know? I definitely agree. And you need to have your act together in the morning because yes. there are things that need to be done. Absolutely. You, you want to keep things easy. Yeah. I, I, I love the, the idea of a capsule wardrobe, which is yeah. what Einstein yeah. sounds like he was called? doing. Yeah, it's a capsule wardrobe. Okay. Yep. And... Uh, I don't know if it was Obama, yeah. but I think probably s- several of our presidents, and obviously yeah. Steve Jobs, I think yeah, he probably exactly. wore the same thing all the time. Yeah. So there is absolute wisdom there. Absolutely, I'll think about it. Um, so, um, and I, I think that that all the the issues, all 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 the problems that we're facing are all interdependent. Yeah. But you talk about, or you think about, how people are disconnected or not engaged in their work. Yeah. And depending on what study you read, it's half of Americans are not engaged Absolutely. in their work. And think about it, that's important. That's engagement is I mean, yeah, is it yeah, you you write your own story, right? So so the story I live is the one I choose to write. Like you don't write it for me, I write it myself. If I choose to do something, it's because I'm doing it, right? So we have control over ourselves to some degree. However, like unfortunately we get in these situations where life just gets so complicated that we get sort of stuck in a rut, we just we think there's like no way out of it because we're under this assumption that it's really easy to make change, right? The whole story about 21 days takes to change a habit. Well, that's not true. It doesn't take 21 days. It's much longer than that. So people get in a rut they, and they get stuck and then they get disengaged and they never get out of that. And then they end up being really unhappy and they get sick from that ultimately because that's mm-hmm. what makes you sick. Um, but yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. You get stuck in that inertia, just going through the, go, going through the, uh, going through the motions. Yeah. Um, so talk about not being engaged in your work. So that means you're, you're kind of out to lunch and on average, our minds wander about half the time. Yeah. So it's true. It's like, man, you need to be engaged and become mindful. So you think about the devices, you're constantly getting push notifications and each one of those, and they say every interruption, you just don't re-engage again. Like if you're in the middle of work and you get interrupted with something, it takes you takes time to re to re to get back into your back into your flow again. So meanwhile, you've wasted all that pr- productivity and creativity. So 
that's one of the reasons why you'll, you'll see people like Tristan Harris and others recommend, you know, turn off your notifications because those are designed to basically interrupt you and get you into something, into their product and out of what you're doing. Because in all, in, all in all these apps, when it's, you know, often when things are free, you are the product. I mean, you're, you're the product. You know, no doubt. Right? So, um, so that's the unfortunate thing about, you know, time disruption. You know, sucks it up from you. Got to get rid of push notifications. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't think of any value in having Facebook tell me that somebody liked something that I posted or something like that. It's, yeah, well, it depends what turns you on. But yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. does it need to light up on my telephone so that it takes my attention away from whatever I was doing? I, I don't yeah. think so. No, exactly. And the text messages, maybe. I don't even know if I have push notifications on there. But yeah. talk about... Uh, Cal Newport talks about doing deep work mm -hmm. and it's a simple, simple concept, yeah. but it's brilliant because yeah. we have fallen victim to thinking that multitasking is a valuable thing yeah. possible. But if you think about you to go to your computer for two seconds to read the email and then you go back to writing a proposal or whatever you're doing, there's a residual thing going Absolutely. on that my brain is still thinking about whatever junk was in that email. I mean, think about how often you get disrupted and how it takes in to re, in to go back and rethink, it, it, it's 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 impossible. And people love to. I mean, it's sort of the bravado. People love to say, "I can multitask," and I and I, and I say to them, "Well, okay, maybe you are doing something you think is effective, but imagine how more effective you would be if you're just focused on that. If you're that good when you're doing two things, you'd be even better doing one at a time mm -hmm. because your brain is focused on it. Your brain isn't can't focus on. I mean, it's impossible. Um, and so." It's it's and I think part of it too is we as a society allow people to say that like we should say well no you shouldn't do that I mean we accept that as being like like not getting any sleep is a good thing although that's changing I mean, people are realizing that the lack of sleep is, is really bad for you um, and so I think that's changing in the workplace people aren't valuing that as much as like oh I can work on two hours of sleep that's just who I am right it's just not that's it's not how we evolve as people no. it's impossible. Seen too many people become unhealthy doing yeah, that. Exactly. That exactly. kind of thing. Um, we talk about well, just everything that's been going on with the uh, with the natural disasters, and then obviously the the, the shooting that just yeah. happened in Vegas. How do you think that, that you think that people probably want to help? But we talk about you can't climb Everest, so. What, what advice would you give to people who want to be mindful and want to help to, to, to get involved with that? Yeah, so I mean, I think there's a lot of things you can do. I mean, obviously, you know, people talk about, you know, the prayers and things which is all really important to be thinking positively. Um, but people are doing little things, like people are donating blood, and hopefully that then some good comes out of that, right? That maybe more people then will donate blood just generally. But the little things you can do, I think part of it is simply being told that has an impact. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, whether you do, whether you donate, you know, like look at like Obama's first campaign. I mean, this is a totally different topic, but same concept. He raised a ton of money through small donations, right? Mm -hmm. So he didn't need to get massive checks. So the same thing with, with you know, with with, with some of the relief efforts. You can give five dollars. I mean, if everyone in America gave a dollar, that'd be three hundred fifty million dollars. It's a lot of money, right? So you don't need to be Bill Gates, the Gates Foundation, to make it to to make change. I mean, it's important to have people like that doing it and setting the tone, but every individual can do something small. Um, so, it, so you saw that, like, in, in Las Vegas, you know, tragically, um, but 
fortunately, all these people came forward and started donating blood. Mm-hmm. And it was, makes a big impact. So I think there are things you can do. So being mindful also is, you don't need, you know, again, it's not about like, go to Tibet for like five years. You can just spend five minutes, just because it's probably five minutes more than you did before. And then you keep just adding on to it. And then you'll, you see, you see the benefits. Yeah. You know? I think that the power of full engagement is such a real thing, helping people determine and find a purpose yeah. in whatever exactly. kind of work that they're doing. And I'd like to circle back to that. Yeah. But one of the things that, and I don't know when it started driving me crazy, um, but people talking about how, well, my, my, my vote doesn't matter. Yeah. It's like, gosh, that is the most disenfranchising thing yeah, to think. Because, exactly. yeah, you you can't vote and change the electoral college with your vote, but yeah. essentially all you can do and all any of us can do is go and donate blood here in Phoenix, yeah. right? Yeah. And if everybody was doing that, mm-hmm. if everybody was just taking care of what they have direct control over in their sphere of influence, yeah. well, then we'd live in a really, really great world. No, I think that's exactly right. But I, and, and the sad part is, is I think people feel very disenfranchised, whether it's voting or whether it's just interacting with their community. I mean, and, and it's, and I mean, you look at, I mean, sort of off the point a little bit, but just look at the Supreme Court case that they're doing now, the gerrymandering in, in Wisconsin. I mean, it's, I mean, you've got leading Republicans that have come out against the Republican Party in Wisconsin. And, and, and gerrymandering isn't, isn't um, I mean, it's both sides of the aisle, everybody gerrymanders, right? Which is drawing districts to ensure you're reelected. But in a weird way, what's happening now is districts are, it's, it's, instead of people selecting their, their politician, the politicians are selecting the voters who will vote for them, right? So, so I think the average person in America feels dis. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of forces that make people feel very disenchanted, which is unfortunate because I think now more than ever people need to sort of come together, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you're right. And I think part of it is is not thinking like my vote doesn't count, um, and that I actually can make a change. I actually can make an impact. Um, and so part of it is understanding that, you know, yeah, it takes some discipline like, over time. Like, yeah, I got to vote. I got to do a lot of different things, but I will make a difference. Uh, and also, if I do nothing, I'll make a difference as well, but it'll be a negative difference. Mm-hmm. And so they have to understand that doing nothing is, makes, is doing something as well. Mm-hmm. And usually, unfortunately, it's something against your self-interest. Typically, yeah. that's probably how that will work yeah, out. Exactly, you know. And I, part of me hates being, feeling like I'm sort of Pollyanna and... Yeah. Um, Spring too much sunshine on people, but yeah. how you look at something makes all the difference. So I don't, I, I don't care what yeah. job you have. Yeah. If you don't like it, you need to change the way that you view the work that you're doing. It's kind of like the yeah. janitor at NASA. Yeah, I mean, I look at like I think you're right. I think some of that goes also just to resilience, right? Which is you look at the people that are successful. And resilience is one of those traits that actually. Um, you know, science and doctors have shown that it actually can be learned. So it's not like something you like, oh, I don't feel, I, I never I wasn't born with it, I'll never get it. You can build resilience. And, and that's a trait that actually, when you look at successful folks, is really is a consistent theme. Um, because that's you, and I think part of that is saying, hey, these are events. Like, the events are sort of neither good or bad. It's what you make of them, right? So you can have a really bad event, in theory. And you can bring take some good out of it. You can make it into something positive if that's possible, right? And part of that is learning, is that actually 
these are events, and I control them. I, I, if, I want, if I want them to be bad, then I make them bad. But I have an ability to write my story. I have an ability to make those events a positive, right? So if someone loses their job, that's an event, and it's unfortunate, right? However, if they choose to um, embrace it and go on and do something different, then they make it into a positive. Like say, oh, that was an opportunity for me to leave and start something, right? So there's, I mean, there's, you know, gone, you know, there's, it's not so black and white, but I do think it's important for people to realize that there are events out there, but you also have the power to change them and make them into good events mm -hmm. by focusing and finding the right, finding the positive in this and things and being mindful. And that'll help you become more resilient, right? You'll see problems, you'll see events, not as problems, but as opportunities versus negatives. No doubt. You know? And that is the, uh, probably the path of far greater resistance because it's not easy to do that. No, it's hard to bounce back. It's not easy, you know, um, because you, you can get, you know, um, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting writing on that stuff. You know, what happens when everything falls apart and you know, how do you rebuild? And pe there's people are able to do that. And, and, and part of that is understanding is being resilient being, being comfortable going outside of your comfort zone, being comfortable continuing to learn. These are all really basic elements that kids have all the time, but it eventually gets stripped out of them as they become adults, right? Um, but you're right, it is, it is hard. it's not easy to bounce back. But you know, for instance, like I was this, I, I broke both my arms this winter, uh, running down Pastoral Peak. And that really depressed me because I started this business. And I was like, but you know what, there's something I'll learn from this. Like, so what I learned, having broke both my arms were in casts, um, one, I got to know my Uber and Lyft drivers a lot better. <laughs> um, and then, but more importantly, I got to understand better the importance of making things really simple, right? Because I was temporarily immobile. So like using apps, I had to realize that was, you know, you got to make it simple. Uh, I was prescribed pain relief and I was given a leave. And a leave's top is designed to come off really easily. <laughs> so they had thought about it, right? So they thought, well, people are using a leave have probably arthritis. So they got to make the top seeds, right? So maybe rethink how a lot of things work. So yes, um, it was painful to break both my arms. Yes, if I had a choice, I wouldn't break both of them. <laughs> um, but having broken them, I can't undo that. Um, but what I can affect is what I do next, right? And so I can either choose to embrace it and find some good in it and try to figure out what I'm doing next. Or I can sit there in my bed saying, I can't believe I broke both my arms. I'm trying to start a business. And so it's a decision I had to make. And so I figured I want to build giant good. I have to find the positive and I'll learn from this. And so I was lucky. I had very good friends around me that helped me. Um, it's not that easy, but that's part of it. It's like finding, you know, is, is when you have a setback, is saying, okay, it's just a setback. Maybe there's something next I can do. What can I learn from this? And it, again, it's not like I have got to go cure cancer because I broke both my arms. It's like you can do something really, really simple. Like learn something from that. Like I learned the importance of how apps work because I have my hands were in cast, so I need to use things that are simple. And that, I, think that's, I think that's a key, that's a key is being able to find those things and learn from them and grow. And that'll make, obviously make your life better. I think it easier and more pleasant. Completely agree. That's, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, things happen to us a lot more than we probably happen to them. Yeah, no, exactly. true or not. I that's true. <laughs> Absolutely. But certainly I have the choice of how yeah. I respond to everything yeah. and there's a uh, this great book the subtle art of not giving a f yeah, i know that book yeah it's true and 
in that book, they talked about uh, the whole Spider-Man thing. And Spider-Man's dad said to him, with great power comes great responsibility. And the book switched it around and said, with great responsibility comes great power. Yeah. And when you own, at least you don't need to own everything that happens to you. You probably should and take responsibility for some of it. Like you probably take some responsibility for how you broke your arms. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I was running, right? <laughs> it was just a really smart idea. I was running down a mountain. Yeah. and, and, and Face planted. No matter what, yeah. if it's you got, you have the ability to take ownership of how you respond to it yeah. and, and how you move forward, and that's the resilience that you're talking about. Yeah, because no, I mean, I go back to it. No one writes your story. I mean, you write it, or or you can do nothing and let other people write it for you, and in which case you're miserable, right? But the important thing is is saying, you know, I think is you you want to do. You know, I can't I can't make someone do something, and so how often like I notice. Like in the office, you might be upset with someone, like your boss. And really what you're upset with isn't necessarily your boss per se. What you're really upset with is, I, I just want to tell my boss what I think. And so I don't need my boss to agree with me, but really what I want. So one day I noticed that. I was like, which, why am I really upset? I'm really upset not at my boss per se, for who they are. I'm upset that I don't have the opportunity to say something. So I just said it. My boss didn't agree, but got it, understood. And I felt so much better because I, you know, and it, yeah, yeah, you have to do it tactfully. You don't want to get fired. But that's just writing your story. So the more you write your story, the happier you are because you're that, – that's not to say you're going to achieve everything you want to achieve. But at least you're trying. And so if you don't succeed, you've done all you can do and you probably and, and you can't control whether someone likes you. It's impossible. That's true. And so if you get hung up on that, you'll always be unhappy. So what? So my, the way I look at it is I, you just need to write your own story and do the best you can. Um, and then just and then where you fail, then you try to next time learn something from that, and make it into a positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that sounds a little Pollyanna-ish. That's even a word. Um, but this is a basic principle to try to try to go by. Yeah. Agree. Um, I know that accountability, consistency, accountability are probably really probably married. Yes. Um, because it is not easy to to get in the habit of getting up every day and exercising or eating the right foods, whatever it might be. But if you have some kind of an accountability partner or you're reminded of it, um, probably exponentially increase your chances sure. of getting that done. Yeah. How did that play into your app development? Yeah, so I think it's really true because we have so many economic priorities and distractions that are important that we, we tend to deprioritize the non-economic things, which often are more important, like the doctor's appointment, like, will often say, oh, I'll reschedule my doctor's appointment because I've got to be on a conference call, right? But no one's, but ironically, no one on that conference call is going to help you when you're sick, right? So we end up always making these short-term sacrifices, which end up being long-term sacrifices, right? I'll always reschedule that. Same thing with, um, you know, diet and exercise. So I think part of it is, is, yeah, is having an accountability partner and also is understanding that those things are valuable and understanding that, oh, if I go to the gym, um, for an hour, that seems like an extravagance, but actually it makes me healthier so I can focus better when I'm working. So part of it is understanding value better. Right? Like when I was in law school, there were friends of mine who were married. And I used to think, wow, like I can't imagine being in law school and being married. Like you're not going to do very well because law school is such a nonstop experience, right? They ended up doing really well. Like they did better than the people that were single. And I thought to myself, well, that's crazy. Like they have less time. So, but that was the problem. The problem was time. Like the people that were married and single, 
they spent all day long reading, 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 and just a diminishing return, right? Whereas the people that were married had other commitments that they valued and thought were important. They spent less time focusing on law school, but they focused on the most important parts. They didn't waste time because time is, you know, is so valuable. They end up doing really well. So it's the same thing, I think, when you ask that question, which is, is you have to start changing your value system a little bit. You have to say, you know, I really value, um, um, you know, exercise. I really value dieting because it helps me feel better. But at the same time, you don't want to be, I mean, at least me personally, you don't want, I, I can't be completely orthodox. So I used to love eating donuts in the office, right? You go by the accounting department and they got like a million donuts out there. And then I suddenly realized, well, why am I doing I'm, do I'm just doing it because it's like they're there. So it gave me no value. There was nothing in it other than a donut. And then one day, my daughter and I went bicycling to a local donut shop. And we're bicycling up there. And this is where part of my life I was really orthodox about not eating any donuts. And then we're biking up. And I thought to myself, well, you know, it's really not eating the donut. It's actually sitting there with your six-year-old enjoying a donut. And actually, there's a lot of value to that. So I had the donut right? because <laughs> there's some value there. That whole experience is valuable. Whereas going by the department in the accounting and eating a donut out of a cardboard box as I'm walking around the office, it's got zero value in any level, zero. right? So part of it is enjoying it and rewarding yourself, right? You, so there is a balancing act, you know? And so, that, where, so where I strike the balance, they say, does that give me any value? And if there's no value, then I'm not going to do it. So there's value to eating a donut with your kids. There's a ton of it, actually. There's not a whole lot of value to sitting at my desk in the office over a spreadsheet shoving a donut in my face. Yet it's the same donut. Right. Um, so that's how I sort of think about it. And then it's just, you know, it's also having nice reminders. And I think you're right. I think having someone who keeps you accountable is really important and reminds you why you're doing something. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, visual, especially visual images, important. there's a reason why folks put, um, um, you know, like if you're trying to stop smoking, you put a picture of your family in your pack of cigarettes. So every time you pick that pack up, you're looking at your kids, right? That keeps you, reminds you, keeps you honest. So I think you're right. Having someone to help you and going it alone is really hard. But having someone to help you makes it a lot easier. Someone connects you with and you can collaborate, whether it's a coach or a friend. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's just, and I think it's also changing your values as well. Or, just, or I say changing your values is understanding what is value and then attributing it to those things. Got it. Yeah. So when the app is up and running, yeah. is it something that will check in with you? Throughout? Yeah. So, so one of the things on the app, um, it's good. So, for, so right now where we are is, you know, we've tested the concept through text messaging, got a lot of positive feedback. And so then we decided, let's, and, and we took the feedback and said, well, the, the, the next level, we can't just keep texting. We actually have to build some of this functionality. And we've also been very careful that we don't overbuild because we have no idea really what's going to happen. Right? So we don't want to just deliver some massive thing and everyone's like, I only want a little piece of it. So what it will do is right now on the MVP, which is the minimal viable product, is it will send you three um, notifications or three, I should say three acts. You choose one. You have 24 hours to do it and then it goes away. If you don't do it, it goes away. If you said you, you did it, what we do is it'll give you like a high five and like some congratulations and then it'll be tracked against some different pillars of mindfulness, resilience, um, connectedness and learning. Nice. And also, so there'll be some gamification that, that that basically triggers you to do more acts, right? Not trigger to come back in the app, 
but for to open up the app and do more acts with interacting with people. Um, but that's the basic one. That's the basic platform. And then we want to see, you know, our goal is we want to, want to see how people react with it, how people, what people do with it, get some feedback, and then we'll iterate the next. I mean, we have some ideas. My, my co-founder and I, we have a lot of ideas where we'd like to take this in a perfect universe. But like a lot of things, we're not going to know until people use it. I mean, we, you know, we have this idea, but we can, be, we can be completely wrong. We have no, I mean, as a joke with our team, nobody knows what they're doing. We're trying, we're working really hard, working together, but we haven't done this before. So we have no idea if people are going to say, I hate the color blue, or I love the color blue, or I want this or I want that. So important about it is, is having a point of view, but, but being willing to navigate. Like, you know, the way I look at it is I joke with the team, I say, if I want to go to Camelback Mountain, I really don't care how I get there. As long as we're efficient, let's, we can go a lot of different ways. That's the direction we're pointing, right? So we use the same way with the product, and so the app. So we get more feedback, we'll change it. You know, if people say, I want to see this, I want to see that, we're open to a lot of changing. But the idea is it keeps you accountable. That's a core function of it. And then the core function of it, it, it tries to encourage you and, and inspire you, give you that spark of like, yeah, I'll do that. That seems really cool. Like, we want it to be something that's just a tiny bit outside your comfort zone. Like, buying a cup of coffee for a stranger, it, it might be outside your comfort zone. High-fiving a stranger might be outside your comfort zone. But it's not like we're telling you give $10,000 to a stranger, right? We're, we're trying to keep it small, little acts you can do in five minutes, give a book to a friend under $30. These are all really small, digestible things where you're gonna see the joy and say, well, I'm gonna do that again, right? So um, that's that's really sort of the mechanism and thesis around it. Nice. Yeah. I like Thank it. You. I like it. What, what advice would you give to people, and this is, yeah. I mean, it's tough, but people who wanna live more mindfully, well, I think, you know, I think, you know, I think it never, so I look at myself and I'm by no means perfect, right, at all, right? And so I think part of the first step is to saying, I want to do that. Like, how do I, how do you know, and, and, and how do I live more mindfully? And I think part of it too is just slowing down and doing little things to slow down. Like what I did to start was I simply did a, started doing a lot of hiking and I did a lot of hiking the same way. I just went up past what peak. Because I figured the more I went up it, the more I knew how to hike it. I could think less about hiking, and I could just be more present, right? So part of it is simply being present, whether it's you want to meditate, whether it's simply peeling an orange and, 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 and peeling it and just listen, and smelling the citrus. I mean, that's the mindful act. Or it might just be going across the street, talking to a stranger, talking to your neighbor. There's a lot of things you can do, and it doesn't have to be scary or complex or like, oh, what's that all about, right? There is this sort of, and fortunately it's becoming much more mainstream. It's not like, again, you need to go to Tibet or something or an ashram, join an ashram. So I think for me, what I, what I recommend is it's, just, it's really just being more present. Even simple as eating. Like when you eat, just think about the food you're eating. Like where did it come from? And just think about all that stuff. And I think that'll help you become more mindful. And then slowly it just grows. And you'll focus more. You know, whether it's listening to music or reading a book. Just I think a lot of it's just being present mm-hmm. and learning, you know. Um, that's that's what I did, and it's not you know I'm not an expert. I just simply said let's start small, and let's do little things and see. How, and it's and, you know I can tell you I lost thirty not, I lost thirty pounds just over time, and and, and haven't put back on again, and I haven't radically changed my diet. I'm just a little more conscious of what I do. Maybe the donuts. Yeah, donuts. Yeah, but I mean I haven't done anything radical like cut all sugar out of my diet, right? But it's it's just realizing 
why am I doing certain things? Like, why am I eating that donut? And then, if I'm eating it with my kids and I'm having a great time, okay, there's some value there. Am I eating it just because I have nothing else to do? And that's something key to being mindful. It's like, why am I doing something? And you understand that. That's like, I think, the first step. You know? Makes sense. And I think sometimes it's certainly possible that, that when people hear mindfulness, they think it's some kind of a new age hooey junk. But the reality of it is, is just being cognizant just be cognizant of what it is that you're doing as you're going through your life. Yeah, and, exactly. And kind of auditing yourself. It's like, okay, why did I just spend all that time doing that? Yeah. Why am I why am I eating this? Why am I always on my phone? Yeah, exactly. Just just be more aware. Yeah, like the I don't know if you've read the book Habits. I'm not sure. Yeah, in the, in the in this New York Times journalist who wrote it and it starts it all goes in these different habits. And one of the um premises it starts off with why is he going to the lunchroom and getting a cookie all the time and he starts to figure <laughs> it out it's really what he's am just, I doing he's just, he's just connecting with you've got the root cause like it's that thing about ask like five whys like why did I do that and ask another why and ask another why and ask mm-hmm. you get down to five whys you get the root cause and the root cause was he simply just wanted to take a break from the table and work with, and hang out and talk to someone. So he could go there and have a cup of water and it's the same exact place. Yeah. And he doesn't need to eat a cookie. So often I think it happens so true in life is like if we get argue with our spouse, we argue with a coworker, there's usually an underlying issue, right? So you ask the why, like why did I, why was I mad at my spouse? Well, and keep going digging, 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 you'll get to the root cause, and that's the thing you need to address. And it's that, and it's the same thing with like building um, or I think Toyota is the one that like embodied this five why principle of problem solving. And it's that can be applied to I mean problems are universal. Like it's personal, whether it's on a marital relationship or building a car on a, on a conveyor belt it's the same issue right? it's a solving problem and so if you get to the, the whys you sometimes get to the root cause and again it's sort of about being mindful it's like what's the root cause what's the basic why am I, why am I doing this you know why am I talking on my phone all mm-hmm. the time is it because of work or I just don't want to deal with things why am I losing my mind when I'm driving yeah exactly why does everything make me so upset yeah exactly yeah. awesome well, where can people learn more about you and, and, and what you're working on? Oh, thank you. Yeah, so obviously they can go to giantgood.com. That's our, our website. And um, they can sign up there um, um, to receive you know, beta tests of the app. We'll be in both Google and Apple um, app stores, hopefully um, in the fall or in, in the end of October. We're still engineering, so it's not definite. But if they sign up on our website, we'll definitely let them know when they're going to be in the app stores. That'd be, that'd be great. And also they can follow us on Instagram and Facebook as well. Nice. Yeah. And I will list all that in the notes of the show. Oh, okay, thank you. What else would you like to get off your chest as we are uh, no, I think it's great. The one thing I, I would just remind folks is, you know, I think when they're looking at problem solving and they're looking at, you know, life and we talk about resilience, that, you know, life is, uh, it, you know, is a river to some degree. We don't control how that water comes out. And I think we, we incorrectly spend a lot of time trying to change the course of it, like Army Corps of Engineers. Like, we're going to put dams up on this river, and we're going to affect the way that river flows through our life. And all that really results is it floods and makes a mess, as we've learned. And that's what I think we should spend our, more, our time on, you know, this is, is really about how do I navigate that river? And if you can learn to navigate it, you don't need to learn to control it, because controlling it is almost impossible, whereas navigating it is totally feasible. So the thing I'd leave with people is, is, you know, you look at your problem solving, 
it may not be actually changing the course of that problem, it's learning to navigate it better. And that's what we're trying to do you know, with Giant Good, is make life more navigable for folks. So, so anyways, but thank you for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I enjoyed talking with you today. So, And if you enjoyed what you heard today, please um, subscribe to the show. Tell a friend. Feel free to give us a share on social media. And as always, keep questioning because the struggle is real. Absolutely.